0: Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, Enderf. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. We are going to start with a listener question today because the answer that uh, I I had to do some digging to to find the answer, but, uh, but it was interesting enough that I was like, you know what, we should just make a a whole episode about this because it's such a great question. Um, This is one of our listeners. She says, one more thing. I was wondering if you could do an episode or find an experience about twins. I'm an identical twin. And after listening, I wonder if my sister and I could be one soul and we are just meant to experience two different lives or if we are two souls and we are just maybe super close and God gave us each other to get through this life. Just really curious about any of the twin stuff. Thanks again. What a fantastic question and and as soon as you said that I was like, wow, I have never thought about that before. And and so well, I did some digging and what I found is a few experiences where twins are mentioned in near death experiences and so let me share you, with you what I found. I'll share my own thoughts about it, what I suspect is, is going on or, or you know, my own suspected answer to the question and leave it to you to decide for yourself what uh, you conclude. But um, first off, we've got Tim from enderf.org. He says, and, and I'm going to share the whole experience because they're fairly short, but uh, there is only a brief mention of the twin, but I think it's significant. He says During major emergency surgery for perforated divert oh I'm sorry about this diverticulitis Diculitis. yeah diverticulitis that destroyed much of my large and small colon colon, I rose above the operating table. I saw everyone frantically working to save me. I thought what are they doing? Then I recognized my face and knew I had died. I was confused for a moment. I was pulled through the ceiling of the room of the roof of the hospital, out of the roof of the hospital, and could see I was swiftly ascending. Then I was in the midst of a bright, cloudy light with silhouettes waiting to greet me. Soon I saw my dear departed twin sister, grandmother, Grandfather, and rows of departed uncles, aunts, etc. As I approached them amidst this incredible light of love, a voice came from the direction of the light and said, Tim, it's not your time. You must go back. It's not your time to be here. I paused, then argued for what seemed like forever. No way was I returning. I loved it here and was thrilled to be with my departed loved ones again. Each time I had a good reason why I was why it was indeed my time to be there, I was told the same thing. But Tim, it's not your time to be here. You must go back. The voice was extremely kind and powerful, male, and coming from the left of the light I saw. Finally, I realized who was going to win this argument... So I thought I'd have to think of reasons to return. I couldn't think of any. Then I imagined my husband of 20 years waiting for me in the hospital waiting room. I thought that at least this time I'd speak the language, unlike the first time I showed up on that rock. As soon as I thought, okay, zoom, I'm back, awake to a horrible, noisy, too energy-filled space, place buzzing with life that seemed too intense and difficult. I had a feeling of deja vu like the first time I was born from a warm cozy place to this dark or this hard cold noisy rock. I no longer feel death but I fear the process might not be so easy and painless next time since I now have advanced cancer. Okay, very interesting. That's the end of the experience. So his mention of a twin is that he had a twin sister. So this would not be identical twins. If that. So if this is a fair example, I'm not sure, but he did see his twin sister and his grandmother, grandfather, rows of departed uncles, aunts. He saw them there in the spirit world as, as silhouettes that you know became visible. Uh, and they were there, and he didn't want to leave them. He didn't exactly single out his twin sister other than the fact that that was the first person that he mentioned, um, but otherwise, you know, he wanted to be there with his twin and the rest of his family, so he saw them there. Okay, now we've got Elma, also from enderf.org. He says, or she says, sorry, <laughs> she says, I... Just to uh, give a little background on the Alma, in this some of the scriptures of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to which I belong, Alma is a very common prophet who was a man. So I know that in our modern society, Alma is a girl's name. So I, I apologize for <laughs> for getting that mixed up, but uh, that's the uh, that's my excuse for the mistake. <laughs> anyway, Alma says. I was in hospital with a kidney infection. I can remember bits of the hospital, but nothing before. My parents say that I was sick for a week. They thought I just had a fever or something until I started getting really hot, so they took me to the hospital. I remember when it happened, though, with such clarity. There were cold bars against my back, and whatever I was sitting on was hard. I mean, leaning over, holding myself. The pain in my abdomen was so hot, I felt like I was swimming in it. I remember seeing a woman leaning over me. She was a nurse, I think, maybe a doctor, but her face began to warp in my vision, and slowly the room faded into darkness. Things came flying at me from the darkness, a giant clock and a big butterfly that flew through me. I don't even, or I don't know how long this lasted. It could have been hours or seconds. Soon, a light appeared in the distance and the pain began to fade. Everything stopped and just became peaceful as the light became larger and nearer until it enveloped everything. I could see everywhere, but it was just white light. There was no floor or anything, but I just knew I had to walk towards where the light had begun. I could hear my footsteps, proper footsteps, not toddler shuffling. So maybe they weren't my footsteps, but I've always thought of them as my footsteps. I couldn't hear anything else, or smell, or taste, but the light was so bright and vivid. I came to a stop when I saw a little boy in front of me. I do not know who he was. I did not know who he was at the time, but he was has followed me since in my dreams, claiming to be my twin. I am unsure of this. All I know is that my mother lost my twin, early in pregnancy the boy told me to cross over the fresh threshold the threshold was invisible but i somehow knew it was there he'd said or he said it would be nice every part of me longed to join him i wanted to be part of that peacefulness forever but as i stood there making my decision i heard the scene at the hospital as if from afar off i heard my mother crying I knew I couldn't leave without saying goodbye. So I hurried down the tunnel of light without walls or a floor. As I got back to the hospital, however, the light tunnel snapped shut behind me. I cannot remember much of what happened after, only snatches. But as I grew up, it seemed like a dream. I still think it might be a dream but it's just too vivid and too real. As I got older, the more I tried to think about it, I found myself facing a wall. I literally saw a wall in my mind's eye. It was good for a while not thinking about it and just seeing the wall, but the wall began to crack when my grandfather died, and I looked out of his hospital window to see a beam of bright light coming through the clouds. It was not as bright as the tunnel, but still quite bright. The wall crumbled soon after when I was eight years old. Since then, I've just been living with it. That's the end of elma's experience and there's a few things that I find interesting in this the wall I, I I'm you know we'll work backwards and we'll get to the twin thing but uh um, this wall she says um She says, I found myself facing a wall. I literally saw a wall in my mind's eye. So it's as if there is a block to the memory for a time because she doesn't want to remember it. She seems to be troubled by it, uh, whether because she can't explain it or whether because she's, you know, just um, confused by it or what, but it becomes a wall. But when her grandfather dies, that wall seems to break open. She says, I was able to see a beam of bright light coming through the clouds. It was not as bright as the tunnel, but still quite bright. The wall crumbled soon after when I was eight years old. If I gathered this correctly, um, the um, Alma is about four years old at the time. She says the toddler steps but the these were not toddler steps like you she would have expected but they were um proper footsteps not toddler shuffling but that suggests another thing uh, in that maybe her spirit was in the form of being full grown or maybe not at all you know if depending on what form she was taking but she did say she was um taking steps, she could hear her own footsteps, but they weren't toddler footsteps, which makes me think that she was in an adult form as a spirit. So that's interesting. But then we come to the twin. And again, this is a girl who's telling it, and she's talking about her twin brother. And so again, this is not identical twins, but it appears to be uh, fraternal twins, and therefore... um, but, but there's still obviously some connection there because um, she says that uh, um, she had lost her, her twin brother early in pregnancy and yet clearly he was a separate individual because um, this individual she saw in her near-death experience and has since followed me, she says, since in my dreams, claiming to be my twin. And yet she's not sure. She she's like, I don't know. I thought my mom lost the twin in pregnancy. And uh, and the boy is inviting her. Come on, let's, you know, it'll, you'll love it and so forth. But uh, she decides to return. So again, this is a fraternal twin and clearly a separate person. Um, so next one, we've got Aurora. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, This is a, a male man or boy or something. Um, Aurora says, I had been playing rugby for about 15 minutes when the rock went down. I ran in to recover the ball. I was going for the ball and then whack instantly. I was thrust out of my body and was immediately looking at my body it was writhing and struggling. I could tell that it was in a state of trauma. Looking down, I realized that my awareness was rising, and as as I arose, I became aware of what was happening around my body, thus becoming familiar, or sorry, thus becoming further aware of my awareness capacity. For instance, when I looked at the grass, I could tell it was grass, but there was an element present that had been missing for a short duration of my physical existence. That element was love. The grass was me, and I was the grass. The grass was aware of me, and I had just become aware of the grass. Another example was when I looked around. When I say looked around, it wasn't as if I turned and looked because I was already looking. I looked around at the trees and made a conscious decision to look at the trees because there was an aura of warmth and care emanating from that direction. When I looked at the trees, again, they were aware of me. Exuding from the trees was love and acceptance. When I became aware of where that this was the end of the physical body, I decided to say goodbye to my mother. I turned to the direction where Mum would have been and said goodbye. When looking at my body, I could see everyone standing around me. I couldn't hear what they were saying, but I could see that they all thought I was gone. One of the people there was my twin brother, I knew he was my twin, but I had the same connection with him as I did with everyone else. There was no difference, although I knew the difference. I felt at ease with leaving my twin. Once this had been realized, I looked up and there was a tunnel. The tunnel was dark in color, but but with love and care filling the void. There was no fear within me and the prospect of moving through it was filling me with joy and excitement. I started to rise up into the void and was filled with the feeling of returning home. Whatever was raising me there made the journey comfortable and loving. On my journey upward, I felt a tug. I looked down and witnessed the man save me by running over and tell everyone to pick up my legs to reinflate my lungs. When this happened... I was filled with dread at the prospect of returning to the earthly realm. With all my spiritual might, I fought to re- I fought the return to my body. It was as if I was crying and asking God not to return me. Then pop, I was back in my body, conscious of the game I was playing and resumed. It was years until I could fully grasp what had happened. I always knew what had happened. But from my upbringing and the society I was living in, I was restricted in understanding what had happened. It was something that was essentially left for, for the airy-fairy people and not men. Once I began to reflect on the occurrence, it dawned on me that I was not this body and this my soul, and that my soul was real. Okay, so Aurora has an interesting experience. And this is a boy with a twin brother. So, I mean, we're talking probably 75% chance this is an identical twin. Um, he doesn't specify, but uh, but he does say that as he's leaving, he looks back and he sees the people standing around. And while he knows that one of those people is his twin, he doesn't feel a particular... Um, special sensation towards his twin, as you might expect. And, and it you know, we, he doesn't talk about what kind of relationship he has with his twin, but um, he, he says there was no difference between him and the others, which is an interesting thing to say, and something that is probably reflecting the uh, question that is being asked, which is to say that, in realizing that, or in in explaining that he has this twin that he sees, in case anybody's wondering about the connection of twins in the spirit aspect, from his perspective, for him, his twin was the same as everyone else. He knew the difference. He knew that they were twins. He knew that there was something special about them in that sense, but he didn't sense a difference between the, him and the others. He says, I felt at ease with leaving my twin. And so that, again, suggests um, definitely a separate individual. And, you know, I do have more to say about uh, the closeness of twins in a bit. But um, that's just a suggestion, you know, in these uh, things. Uh, so, Shirley is the next one, also on endorf.org. Shirley says... Hello, my name is Shirley. My husband is an airline pilot, and we were both on our way to a job located in Arizona. We drove my car from California to Arizona. On the trip over there, I had been given Valium and some other narcotics due to constant pain in my nine back surgeries. I had been injured from a previous diagnostic procedure that left me with a permanent spine injury. So I took the Valium, and finally I had lost my memory as to when the last time I had taken my last dose. We arrived in Arizona and found a motel room. The next day my husband went to work, but he had tried early earlier to wake me, and he could not. Since he was to be chief pilot at the local airport and worked with flight officers for medical purposes, they arrived and flew me to the hospital. On the flight, I woke up with a wonderful feeling of peace. I saw a dark tunnel with a light. And then I heard my deceased identical twin sister, who died at one year old, say to me, It's okay, Shirley, but you must fight. Fight, Shirley. Fight. I don't remember anything more, but I am sure you must know that identical twins are always connected. I have heard her voice many times before and she did appear to me one night but i became frightened and ran out of the room my children said to me what's the matter mom you look like you've just seen a ghost and that is the end of shirley's experience <laughs> i love that you look like you've just seen a ghost and she's like i did you know i i she probably didn't tell her kids that she's probably like um yeah okay i'm fine <laughs> But anyway, um, so beautiful little experience, but again, the, she, she has a twin and this one is identical. So we have a confirmed identical twin sister who she feels very connected to. And this twin is there to meet her and say, it's okay, Shirley, but you must fight, fight, Shirley, fight. This, uh, identical twin had died. And now she was there to meet her and tell her, you got to fight in order to get back. And so she doesn't remember anymore, she says, but she does say that twins are always connected. And she says, I have heard her voice many times before, and she did appear to me one night. And so that tells me if she's having an appearance that she's seeing her, her twin spirit I think that kind of I don't want to say confirms but it certainly puts weight on the uh suggestion that twins are definitely from everything I've read so far anyway found so far they are definitely separate individuals however as Shirley says there is a deep connection between twins and I'd like to give a suggestion of one of the possibilities that's the uh, last experience we're going to share regarding this and I would be fascinated to hear if if any of you have any twin based experiences or know of people that have had twin based experiences surrounding near death experiences. But um Betty Edy, among others, I've I haven't heard it or I've heard it from others as well, but Betty Eady uh is very explicit in her in her not explicit, but very um direct in her uh Discussion about genetic memories or memories that are that are in the cells in the very cells of our bodies, and how there is a genetic component to memories, and there, there is a memory component to genetics, which means that uh, um, what and what she's saying is that there are memories and connections within our cells. So it's possible, though rare but possible to have memories from our ancestors that come through our cells. You can have a memory of a parent or a grandparent or a great grandparent or, you know, any number of generations back um, because those memories are recorded in some degree in the cells. I don't know how that works. I don't know, you know, what that means exactly. But when you think of what twins are, you know, there's, there's science that goes back and forth about the, uh, genetic connection between twins. My understanding is that at the moment of conception, or I should say the separation of the cells, um, into two separate persons, uh, up to that point, they have identical DNA. Their, their DNA is exactly the same. And from that point on the, uh, the changes that take place there are lots of little morphs and little little um genetic mutations that take place uh, in the uh uh growing fetus process that uh that create differences. Now most of us, you know you look at at a twin and then you see their identical twin an hour later and you will think it's the same person. You won't um, easily be. Uh, convinced that they're two different people unless you're told that they're twins. However, families can usually tell the difference and the differences are subtle, but to a family, they become more and more obvious. You know, maybe at a glance or passing in a room, they may not immediately recognize the difference, but they'll make, you know, eye contact or something. and, And that's long enough, just a second to realize which kid this is. And often they have differences in preference, clothes preferences, hairstyles. You know, one will wear glasses, the other contacts or different things like that that make it a little bit more obvious. And I, I get a kick out of twins that dress and have styles that are the same. <laughs> I, I think that's just fun. It drives the world crazy because they are they can't ever tell who's who, but I think it's hilarious. But there are subtle differences, and once people get to know the twins, you can usually tell those differences. And those are those genetic mutations that are taking place over time. And generally, the older twins get, the more precise those, or or the more um, differentiated those mutations over time manifest. And so, you know, anyway, the point being that they start out with the same DNA, in utero. And then it, you know, kind of branch off from there. But that suggests to me that those cellular memories, those cellular connections, you know, because uh, Betty Edie talks about how there being memories in the cells. And if you ask me, if there is a cellular, I mean, a memory connection in the cells, there's probably also a spiritual connection of sorts in the cells, which kind of makes sense if you think about the connection that families often have even connections that are, are families that are separated by, at, at birth or shortly thereafter those those bonds though they may become more masked by time they don't seem to ever really go away i have for example a, a cousin who was an adopted cousin adopted daughter to my aunt and uncle And she just a few years ago, um, did, you know, went through one of the programs to find her adopted or her biological family and she found them and the connection that they had was absolutely remarkable. Not just the physical similarities and so forth, but the actual, you know, personality connections, the, uh, the, just the love that was just like already there and so forth Family connection in the blood is real, which some people don't like to hear because sometimes they, you know, did did not get along with their family and they had a really hard upbringing with their family. But often it's because of that close connection that the abuses or or you know foul play between the family is so severe. You know, being hurt by a stranger is angering, annoying, and so forth. But being hurt by someone with those kind of loving connections is just, you know, almost unforgivable to many people, or at least it feels that way. And so that could be some of the reason for the uh, family being so hurtful toward each other is that the hurt is being caused by people who have this spiritual, familial, cellular connection. Anyway, point being in all of that, if that's the case in family, how much more would that be the case with twins <clears throat> and it's and like I said, I don't think it's just a physical connection. I think there's a spiritual connection um to that physical side. I think the physical and the spiritual i think i'm I'm very interested to find out when we get to the other side or you know as well as hear more studies on this and so forth but but I haven't seen much but i I would be I would be very interested to learn the connection between the spiritual and the physical. My guess is that it is much less pronounced than we think. And I don't know, you know, again, I can't I don't have research to back that up. I don't know. But I would suggest that this physical body is a physical manifestation of our spiritual selves, which is to say that given some, you know, cells to work with, to multiply and to mutate and so forth, I suspect they make what we see in the spirit. And, you know, that that's kind of a chicken and the egg question. Does the spirit look like the body or does the body look like the spirit? You know, but but I think just, you know, my own suspicions, I don't know, but my suspicions are that we're going to get to the other side and and say that's kind of a redundant question, you know, which which came first, the uh, the leaf or the idea of the leaf? Well, the idea of the leaf came from the leaf, and the I, you know, I mean, it's a chicken and the egg kind of question, I I think, which is to say that they are one and the same in some way, which means that twins are probably even more closely related souls. Possibly than even we may be to our parents or siblings and so forth, anyway, just a thought, just my own thoughts on that. I would love to hear your feedback on it. I would also love to hear more from those who have twins and and Ashley. I would love to hear more about your connection to your twin, who, if I'm not you know missing something here I believe is still alive, your twin is still alive. I would be fascinated to hear what kinds of connections that you have for, uh, toward each other. You know, you hear of twins finishing each other's sentences. They kind of hear each other's thoughts in a way. There may be something to that. And I would be very interested to hear more about it. So anyway, very interesting. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do that by either purchasing the book, Life in the Spirit World. You can get on the Patreon page and become an ongoing, uh, monthly contributor, and I would like to also make the uh, ebook available to the Patreon uh, patrons, uh, just as a as a free download for them. So be looking for that. I hope I will remember to do it immediately, set it up immediately after uh, posting this podcast. But in case I don't, you know, contact me and I'll make that available. Also, we are close enough to 50 that I'm prepared to start making additional episodes for patron, Patreon patrons <laughs> uh, to have an extra episode per week. And I'm excited about that. I want to I make that worth their while. So um, also, if you would like to contact the podcast to share your own experience or ask a question, or just share a comment, you can do that by emailing near podcast at gmail.com, or by calling 970-NDECAST. And with that, thank you again, all of you so much for listening.